Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, DL Rogers family. We're here this week with another episode of the podcast. Uh, today we got a full house. I got Mr. Jacob Borrego with us. Good morning, Jacob. How are you? Good, AJ. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm, as we wrap up, uh, as we wrap up February here, just making sure that we're uh, we're getting all our team ready and good to go. And I'm excited. I'm excited for spring. We also have. Mr. Tracy Jones with us. Tracy, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Um, this week's this week's guest, we have the one and only Mr. Jim Peoples. Jim, just like uh, just like Jacob said, I'm very very humbled to have you on. You know, thank you for taking the time out of your week to uh, come on and share your story. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and you know. You guys don't have to say all those those kind words about me, guys. I'm just a just a regular Joe. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys wanting to hear about this guy. So you're, you're well, like Captain America, to, Mer- Captain America to us. Oh boy, you guys, you guys, you guys haven't watched enough TV or something. I don't get it. <laughs> well, guys, um, for our listeners, uh, Mr. Jim Peoples here is here to, is here to share his story, very much like others that have come on the show. I know uh, a lot of us are very eager to to to, uh, to hear the path of Mr. Jim Peoples. And uh, so, Jim, uh, you're free to share whatever you like. Um, the floor is yours, sir. All right, guys. Well, um, I just don't even know where to start. You know, uh, I guess first and foremost, I, I'm happy to be here with D.L. Rogers. And um, I just feel like I'm a, a, a lucky and blessed person to be able to, to work for the company we, we work for today. Um, when you think about how I got involved with D.L. Rogers, I tell you, um, you know, growing up in, in um, Kansas, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan, of course, but growing up in Kansas, uh, you know, we didn't have much. My mom, uh, seriously, we were, you know, a single mom with five kids and stuff. And I, I got my first experience at Sonic um, in Hiawatha, Kansas, believe it or not, working for a different group. I think I was 15 years old. But um, my mom had sent me into a grocery store, guys, and um, there was nothing worse um, than the feeling I had that day when I went in there and I had to use food stamps. At the age of 15, um, the young lady at the register was my age, and uh, it was just embarrassing for me. I I know my mom was doing the best she could do, but um, I didn't like it. You know, it it made me feel, I don't know, I I just, I didn't feel right. And so um, that, that evening, guys, afterwards, um, the girl's name was Angie Knizel, just so you know. I, I kind of liked her a little bit. And uh, that's probably the part that was the most embarrassing. But um, anyway, that evening, uh, I talked to a, a teacher of mine at school. He's actually my football coach and said, hey, where can a guy go get a job? And, and he said, I know the guy over at Sonic. Why don't you go work there? So um, the next day I went to Sonic and uh, I started as a cook. And I think that was in geez, wait, 1986, I believe. So um, 1986, 87 time frame. But anyway, I started there as a cook, and um, it didn't take long for me to to love it. I really enjoyed what I was doing there. And then um, before you knew it, they were asking if I would be an assistant manager. Now, of course, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no earthly idea. Um, but I could lock the doors, and I think that's all they were looking for, somebody who can lock the door. Um, so, you know, 
they had me working every night to close except for on Fridays so I could play football. And other than that, um, I was working. So that was really my, my first um, stint in, at Sonic. And when I tell you my first stint, I worked there all the way up until the time I, uh, I graduated and then I joined the Army. Um, I joined the Army during Desert Storm. And that was one of those deals. My, my buddy and I were young and dumb. And we were kind of like, okay, let's just join the army so they don't draft us like we were going to get drafted or something. But anyway, um, we, uh, we joined the army and, um, heck before we got our basic training, uh, the, the little war we had was already over. And, um, so we ended up spending our first year in Korea. And then, um, after that first year, I got to come home and, uh, nobody wanted to go to Fort Riley, Kansas. Of course, that's, that's home again. Right. So I said, Hey, um, I'll go to Kansas. And so I ended up in Fort Riley, Kansas, uh, to finish my, my military career. Basically, I just did my first enlistment as a, as a Calvary scout. And, uh, I tell you, those times were fun as well. I, I enjoy guys. If you haven't caught on yet, I just enjoy everything I do just so you know, but, um, had a great time there, but I started working nights. I had a friend that told me, um, Hey Jim, we work together in Hiawatha and I'm going to school here in Manhattan. She said, I, I started working at the Sonic in Manhattan, Kansas. And she goes, you would love their opportunity. I said, I'm in the army. Why in the world would I want to go back to work at Sonic? You know? And she goes, they've just got something different than, than what, uh, than what I've seen elsewhere. And I said, okay, well, I'll go give it a shot. So I talked to my first sergeant and asked him if I could, uh, go down there for an interview and if he would have a problem with me moonlighting and, and working nights and he said go for it so went and met pat pat langston in manhattan kansas and um you know that was a, a fun experience because he, he was telling about all this great things and how, how they got paid and all the money and i didn't believe the guy you know i was like are you kidding me i said there's no way so uh, one of the things that he did was uh, he had me write a dividend check i was like okay so I wrote his dividend check. It was big. I'd never seen a check that big. And it was like almost like $10,000. I was like, wow. And then um, he said, oh, but that ain't all. Now we got to write my check for a bonus. I said, whatever. And then, um, so we wrote his bonus check. And I said, that's okay. So you're showing me all this money you make, but you didn't cash these checks. So we went to the bank and he cashed them. Okay. So guys, I was kind of like, okay, I, I believe it. I'm a, I'm a bit hooked here now. So, um, I started working for him and learning, learning about what DL Rogers had to offer after that. And, um, it didn't take me long to tell the first sergeant, Hey, I'm going to, um, I'm not going to reenlist. I appreciate the opportunity the army's given me and stuff, but I think I'm going to follow, um, these other steps, you know, and go through Sonic. So, um, I decided to do that. And then, um, that's about the time I was getting married as well. So I got married, it was February of, uh, 1994. And uh, so I was getting getting married to my wife, and I was talking to her dad about uh, getting out of the Army. And he's like, why would you get out of the Army? And I said, well, because I'm going to go work at Sonic. He goes, fast food? And I said, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you got to take care of my daughter. So he was really concerned that uh, my decision-making was was broken. You know, I didn't have a good decision-maker skill thing, you bopper, you know. So um, anyway, I'd like, no, I, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a manager. And he, then he really looked at me like I was crazy. But um, guys, I tell you, that was probably the best thing I'd ever done. And if you were to talk to her dad today, he tells my story better than anybody I know. 
and uh, he's probably just as excited about D.R. Rogers as, uh, as any of us because of the opportunity that it's given me and the ability to take care of his daughter. So long story short, I did that. I got out of the Army. I ended up in um, Topeka, Kansas as my first gig. I went to Topeka number four, and I went there in May of 1995 when I got out of the Army. That, that was where I went. So, um, so I'm there, and um, I'm studying under Steve Pointer. He's the partner there at the time. And um, he said, um, you know, hey, Jim, you know, run it like a cheer. So I was learning, learning to run it and going, going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, not, I don't know if it was all of a sudden, but uh, lo and behold, we, we start opening up Pizzetti's Pizza. And I was like, hmm. I had a, a meeting with Mr. Rogers, and he said, Jim, this, this pizza thing is probably our future. I like for you to learn that business. I said, okay. So uh, probably July, I, I went over and started working at the Pizzetti's there in Topeka, trying to learn that business. Now, he was going to do the same thing he's always done, partners and the, and whatnot, but it wasn't going to be uh, burgers and fries. It was, it was you know, pizza and breadsticks, right? So I went up there, learned, learned that. And while I was there um, learning that, Steve Pointer decided that he was going to resign, and I was asked if I could uh, go back to Topeka Four as the partner. So uh, I went there in November of '95 and took took it over as a partner, which was a a very exciting move for me because uh, I got to go back to to the driving I was I was working in and whatnot, and uh, you know it was a great store. Uh, you know, it was just under a million bucks when I took it. So it was pretty exciting to, to take that drive in. It had the, uh, the playground and batting cages and all, all the fun stuff. Right. So uh, I got that store, um, thought I knew what I was doing, man. I'll tell you the first three years I was there. Um, I was probably too big for my britches. As most people would say, I got a little cocky and, um, thought it was all about me. And then, uh, hard you know, a lot of hard, um, hard knocks, I guess you'd say, but realize uh, three years later that I couldn't do it without people. And um, that's when I when I really started changing. Probably who I was, probably changing who I was in my heart as well. I mean, I think that's probably when my wife uh, got me to start going to church and, um, and whatnot. So uh, I think there's just a change of who Jim Peoples was around that time frame. And um, I really started investing in my team and my people. And um, my goodness, when uh, the first three years, I couldn't go to any family function. I couldn't do anything that um, my wife wanted me to do or do anything with her and the kids. And uh, here I thought I was doing great as a as a provider. Yeah, I think a lot of times we get to thinking about checking the boxes off and saying, well, I'm providing a great a great income a house, uh, everything that they could ever ask for. But I was missing that one part about giving them me. And uh, that was probably the toughest, toughest part of my, uh, my career guys was probably those three years. Um, and I guess, I'm not going to say that I got amazingly better, but I tell you, after those three years, I started doing things differently and started learning, um, you know, how to, how to balance my, my family in the career. Um, I still wasn't perfect at it by any means. I think I missed a lot of what my my kids growing up, and uh, and I can't get those days back. So I always tell people, man, if you can work through people, uh, please do so because you don't get those days back with your kiddos. But um, anyway, 
and it ended up being there from a 1990s well whenever it was 1995 uh to 2005 february of 2005 mr junkin he met me and uh and my wife there in topeka we went out to eat and he said hey jim um i know you'd like to be a supervisor one day um i just want to make sure that that i I tell you about a, an area that's available. I know the income that you're making today is far better than what the supervisor made last year. I know you're in one drive-in and, and um, you know, this would be taking on more drive-ins and it would, it would make you move. You'd have to move to uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. So he told me about that and he said, you know, uh, that, that supervisor made $100,000 last year. And I was like, oh, because um, Topeka Ford was pretty good to me, guys. Uh, like I told you, it was just under a million when I got it. But um, in 2005, we were over a million eight, you know. So uh, we had taken and doubled basically our sales, and um, profit was pretty good. We had done a, a, a pretty good job. My team was great. And um, being a 2515 partner back then, I was probably making 150 plus thousand dollars a year. Wow. And, um, yeah, so to, to turn around and say, let's go back um, and be a supervisor, because um, there was no special guarantee. There was nothing offered other than an opportunity. And um, I looked at my wife, and I said, what are you thinking? And she goes, uh, she goes you know, I believe in you. Whatever you want to do, we can, we can go out and do. And I'll tell you, that takes a special woman to say something like that. But um, I looked at her and said, know it's less money but if we can't live off a hundred thousand dollars just try something wrong with us let's take it <laughs> and so we uh, we actually <laughs> we actually went you know loaded up the truck and moved to Fayetteville right and so um ended up going to, to Fayetteville in February of 05 and um so many people just asked me sort of what what did you do and I was like what do you mean well you turned the area around and guys I tell you the first year while that, that supervisor had made a hundred that first year I was there, I made two. And, um, you're kind of going, how did you double his income? And, and that's where people kept asking me. And I was like, I couldn't give anybody an answer guys. All I can tell you is that as a, as a supervisor, I cared about the people that work that I worked with. Um, every one of those partners, you know, I, I could relate with and I understood what they were going through and guys, I just loved on them. I was like, we're going to do life together. If we're doing life together, we're it's about to building the relationships, and and when we build those relationships, I tell you, um, there's nothing more disappointing than letting somebody down. I tell you, to this day, I never want to let Mr. Jenkins down. Um, as a friend, I I don't want him to look bad because of something I do, and I think that's what every one of those partners were doing for me. And um, man, we had an amazing year. We went to a our first convention as a, as a supervisor went out to uh, Cancun and uh, mm -hmm. we played survivor. We came back with the Tiki torch. I had, we were able to get that team so in, in tune and in line that they, they wanted all that convention guys. I mean, my first year out there, those guys took home the, the trophies and, and did that. We had people going to the Sonic games um, and just really excited about what we had to offer. Um, then in 2007, we, we were looking at, um, you know, how, how do we, how do we get more um, layers into the Sonic uh, leadership? And they had asked Steve Holst to, to move 
and become a director of you know Kansas and uh, Oklahoma and so forth. So Steve had, had moved it in 2007, kind of the Midwest area. Um, he probably moved to Texas because that's he he loves Texas, right? But uh, but he managed he started he started managing that managing that area as a director, and um, I was asked if I'd become the director of the Carolinas, guys. I was like, wow. Um, my my answer is always yes if you believe I can do it, and so um, I became the director of the of the East Coast in 2007. Uh, that was just a really short gig because. As you guys are aware, in 2009, we we really grew. We doubled our company, right? We bought 80, 86 drive-ins and doubled. Um, when we did that, I was asked if I would move to Arkansas. So that's how I ended up in Arkansas in uh, 2009. I believe it was probably May of 2009. Um, I was asked if I would take uh, and become the uh, director of Arkansas. So when you think about that, it was uh, that was a crazy thing because – it was easy going into Fayetteville and taking over people that had our culture. Uh, one of the toughest things I've ever done in my career was go in and take over an area that had um, had not didn't have our culture, guys. It was just different, you know. And um, you think about not just one drive-in, but thirty-plus drive-ins. Wow. And um, I think it was thirty-five. And and I'm telling you, you know. You just take uh, take it for granted that some of the things that we do daily um, that that a lot of people didn't do, and uh, so that was that was probably the toughest part of my career. I, I remember James talking to me and, and saying, "Man, I thought you would have turned this around so much quicker." I'm thinking, "Dude, you don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is tough, right?" Um, but it but I think it was probably um, I don't know 2012 maybe. You know, we finally got Arkansas on the map, and we we started getting that there. And as we started measuring using the um, the excellence reports or green, yellow, red back then, you know, I, we had that region um, one of the best regions in our company. So it was just a, again, it was I think always comes back down to um, relationships and, and and getting that right. I think I worked on the relationships first because I felt like if I had a relationship with these folks, I could probably get them to do anything for me. And um, so, um, so that was a fun, fun thing. Now here, here's a, a neat tidbit. When I first got Arkansas, I actually had Louisiana as well. And so I had Arkansas and Louisiana and I was the director of those, those stores. I think it was 42 in all. I think it was 12 in, in Louisiana and the other, the others 30 were up in uh, Arkansas. But um Guys, that was tough because when I was in Arkansas, Louisiana fell apart. When I was in Louisiana, everything I fixed in Arkansas would fall apart. Man, I was running back and forth. Uh, Mr. Rogers was with this true story. Mr. Rogers was with me. We went and visited Carlisle, Arkansas. So we're we're in Carlisle. We pull up. I'm showing him his new his new purchase, and I was <laughs> embarrassed, guys. I was I was really embarrassed. We go inside, and uh. There was nothing happening right. I mean, nothing. Not one thing that we could, you know, typically you can find something good to say. And um, we walk in and uh, he starts he starts cooking on the grill. Daryl does. I was like, oh, no. I start getting on the fountain and I'm I'm, I'm working the pass-through. So I, I get over the pass-through. I'm bagging stuff up and I look over on the fountain and uh, I didn't recognize the person that was making drinks. I said, hey, how are you? I'm Jim. Who Who are you? And it was a guest. No way. 
I said, yeah. And I was like, what do you do? And they go, oh, we do this all the time. We always come in and help her when she needs help. We come in, we make our own drinks. So, so here's Mr. Rogers and I, we're seeing that. And that's when he realizes, oh my goodness, you're going to have to stay in Arkansas. And, and he, uh, he, he said, you, you, you can't be split amongst Louisiana and Arkansas. He goes, we got bigger fish to fry here in Arkansas than you worried about that. And that's when Josh Emery became a director. So little tidbit, I don't know if people realized how that happened or not, but um, that was a, that was a fun one there, guys. There's nothing more embarrassing than, than having the owner of the company cooking on the grill right. and a guest coming in and making their own drinks. But um, anyway, that was, uh, that was my first little bit in Arkansas. Uh, we got it together and, uh, and started having a lot of fun and got a lot of momentum there. Um, we were at the uh, convention in um, New Orleans, and Mr. Rogers had asked me if maybe if one day I would I would look at taking on more. And he was thinking about bringing on this regional director um, position. So as of today, I'm, I'm I am a regional director of operations, and um, I look after Arkansas. I look after Missouri. So I have Jamie and Debbie uh, in my region. And now I have the East Coast again, so I'm back out there with Mr. Rick Arthur and Luke Connell, and um, and um, doing the doing that today, and really enjoying that. I've also taken on recently, um, I say recently in the past couple of years, uh, D.L. Rogers Construction. So um, I tell you, we had one of the best construction teams you could think of with Richard and Charles. Um, you know, it's just nobody nobody is uh, safe from getting old, and uh, so they. <laughs> They decided that uh, you know that they needed to probably start hanging it up. They were they were just getting older and so forth. So we've we've started looking at outside people to come in and build stores for us. Uh, and I tell you, just what we had in Charles and Richards is nuts. All the knowledge that they had, because um, I get to looking at plans, and they just did stuff. And so I hand these plans over to new guys to build stores, and uh, they go, "Well, that's not on the plan." And I'm like. Uh, what do you mean it's not on the plan? They go, well, it's not on there. Well, Charles and Richard would just make those field changes and do things. So, I mean, I'm still finding things that I, I have to change on the plans today because they just had so much knowledge and they just did did what made sense to them out in the field. And you, you hand these plans over to somebody else and they don't they don't get it or know what we would do. So, um, so really started doing that. And recently we've got a uh, Walnut Ridge that's uh, been under construction for a long, long, long time. I, um, I think we poured um, footings there in, in uh, March and we're still under construction because we had a lot of weather and a lot of issues getting uh, materials, right? right COVID right. has mm -hmm. really, really set us back. And then it set us back so far that when we finally tore the building down in uh, September, we, we started going into the winter months and, and started having a lot of weather issues. So we got Walnut Ridge. We're hoping to get that open um, here the uh, first week of March. And so that one should be good. We did get Junction City built with another builder. Um, so the, the people in Walnut Ridge right now is Myra Construction. They're out of Texas. And uh, they'll probably be helping us with our next two in Texas, or one in Texas, Canton, and then um, and going into uh Shreveport and doing that the next one there in Shreveport and then um, we use Herbert construction there in the Midwest now and um, those guys are great Don and John they built Junction City did a good job for us of course same thing we had to look at the plans over and over again 
And uh, I, I keep tweaking. I promise you guys I'll be tweaking these plans for the rest of my career. But um, <laughs> those guys in uh, Junction City, they got that put together, you know, pretty quick. And um, and now they're in Springfield, Missouri, doing one. And um, heck, that building's up. They poured their uh, their pad December the 30th, and we have a building up. Uh, all the utilities to the building, uh, inside trim going in. So we're getting ready to brick and stone there. And I imagine that one to be open in April. So anyway, that's kind of what Jim Peoples has done um, since he's been with Neil Rogers. Hopefully uh, I didn't bore you too bad. Would you say your wife is your biggest motivation? I would say that my wife is a, a big motivation for me. And guys, I, it's hard for me to, to really – Put, put my thumb on it i don't know if if um, my biggest motivation was growing up poor that i wasn't gonna let that happen to you know and i was gonna take care of of, of my spouse um because i don't know you guys it, it's it's just tough when you see relationships that don't work I, my mom's been married five times and, and guys i'm not gonna do that um so i'm gonna do all i can to make sure that that um I mean, easy to get along with, but man, it's, um, it's tough, right? I mean, she, she is my biggest motivation. Absolutely. Um, yeah, she is. She's my biggest motivation. That, that should be an easy blow right off my tongue. Yes, sir. Awesome. When I got to talk to you guys at convention, y'all are like two of the sweetest people I've ever talked to. It's, it was, it was amazing. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that, you know, and hopefully we can, we can help others, um, you know, yeah, I've always told her, I said, I wish we could help others in relationships because we've had, we've had our ups and we've had some really doozies and we've had some downs and, um, you know, getting through the downs is always tough. And, um, you know, she's a, she's a special lady. That's for sure. Besides your wife, who are some, who are some other mentors that you've had, uh, growing, you know, coming up in your Sonic career and your deal Rogers career, you, sorry. Yeah, coming up in the D.L. Rogers career, guys, um, I had a great relationship with Pat Langston. I know he's not with us today here anymore, but um, guys, I would probably run through through walls for that guy. He uh, he just was able to to get people excited about what they do, and he always explained it in a in a manner that made you want to to just do more. Um, so he he was always he was my first my first inspiration, and I'm gonna tell you my my second inspiration would probably be uh, Mr. Hulse. Okay. I know you guys are black, but uh, when I worked for Steve, um, you know, he trained at my store when he came, he came to Topeka. He, he did his uh, stage training at my drive-in and uh, he and I built a decent relationship then, but then he, he was the one who asked if I would come out to the Carolinas and start working with him. And um, while, while a lot of people, will say he's tough guys he's he is he's probably one of the toughest people you'll ever work for but um you know he is probably be the, the first guy to go to fight fight for you and um so so he was a big influence in my life as well and then uh and then thirdly mr junkin now that i've, I've started working with him in, in the role as a director i answer i you know answer to him directly and i tell you our pastor put it great the other day. He was talking about um, coaching trees, and he brought up Andy Reid, which was 
phenomenal coming from Texas, right? And I'm going to church in Texas. He's talking Chiefs football. So I'm like, I'm listening at church now. And, uh, and so, you got my attention. So he, yeah, he got my attention. So, so he's talking uh, uh, coaching trees, right? He said, you know, people that work with Andy Reid, they go out and they're successful, and they don't think twice about what, what they're going to do. They just do it because they've been around him for so long. I'm going to tell you guys, Mr. Jenkins, I love that man with all my heart. Um, I know, I know I disappoint him a lot, but guys, I tell you, he, um, he, he does everything right, you know, and um, I don't know any other way to do it. I, I've worked with him for so long that you would say that I've come from his coaching tree. And uh, I don't think twice about what the right thing is to do. Some, sometimes, you know, you're kind of going, it's the right thing to do and you know, it's going to cost you and it's going to be, um, you know, the consequences of doing the right thing sometimes, you know, are, are uh, I don't know when to say that it's heavy, but it, sometimes it comes with a price, right? Right. And, um, and it's not always the easy thing to do, but it's always the right thing to do. And I tell you, um, that guy, me working with him and being being here as long as I, ha- I have, I want to tell you that my coaching tree, you know, my head coach up there, Mr. Junkin, uh, I, he's rubbed off on me so much that I, that I don't think that um, there's a second that I would think differently than he does on a lot of stuff. Now, I mean, you know, we, we all have our own opinions on different things, but when it comes to making a decision and doing the right thing, there's not a second uh, a second thought when it comes to that. And, and I know that comes from him. That's definitely one thing. When we had him on the show a couple episodes ago. One of the things that I took with me was exactly what you said pretty much verbatim he said do the right thing you know there might be some um consequences to that you know financially or personnel wise or opinions but always do the right thing so i think you hit it right on the right on the hit the nail on the head right there where that's definitely one thing that he stained with me and then you know you're you're a witness to that as well so Absolutely. appreciate you sharing that so um one of the main focuses of of the podcast is mr jim um mainly targeted towards newer partners and upcoming partners so out of your experience w- what are some key points here that you would give to a young partner coming into a drive-in for the first time uh, what would Mr. Jim, what, what would Mr. Jim Peoples whisper in their ear and, and, and uh, give advice to this new partner? Man, I put my arm right around them, right around their shoulders and, and, and whisper in their ear. You don't have to do everything yourself. You, you really don't. And uh, I think we get so caught up guys and thinking that we're the only ones that know how to do it right. And um, I tell you, I need to screw things up. So I learned from it. And um so I don't do it again. And when we don't give people an opportunity to, to, to mess something up and, uh, and learn from it, we're really handicapping them. So I really think that the biggest thing that I could tell them is honestly start giving up some stuff. I mean, guys, there's nothing we can screw up when it comes to you think about, um, on partner net, you know, and we're going through all these modules, right? So you're looking at all these modules and we got the, the LTOs of the month and things like that man, there's no reason why an assistant manager can't just manage that whole system for us. Hey, if they don't work for us, clean it up, take them out and put the new people in here. Can you make sure they get something, you know, some modules done and that they understand 
their position better. And, and my goodness, you know, you think about Sonic games right now and, and all the training that we can do. And what's the minimum right now? You have to do eight LTOs um, to get your mid-month bonus, right? Um, right. I mean, what is the harm in eight people knowing what our monthly promotion is going to be before the 15th of the month? Right. Uh, so I just think that we, we should we should be willing to give up some stuff. Um, you know, if you start with the little things like that, before you know it, those guys get so excited and, and they start asking for more. So I would just really, really be giving them the advice of, uh, of allowing other people to do things. That's when I think my life got better as soon as I realized I didn't have to do it all. And, uh, uh, the attitude you have in the store. Secondly, that that's probably, that's probably number one is your attitude. I tell you, we, we start looking at, um, COVID's gotten a lot of people's minds a little backwards sometimes. And you, know, you go into a store and some people that have always had a great big smile on their face, aren't as excited. They've been getting beat down and, and they just feel tired and, and overwhelmed. And uh, you walk into those drive-ins where people are tired and overwhelmed. Tell me, does anybody want to do what that partner's doing when he's tired and overwhelmed and there's mm-hmm. no nothing good happening? No. Very good and so point. we've got to keep we've got to keep uh, uh, the smile on our face and we've got to keep our chin up because we are ultimately here to provide opportunities for others. We can't do this forever, and we really want to have these opportunities going out to to folks like myself when I was when I was 23 years old right um, that that didn't really um, know what he was going to do with his life but I was offered an opportunity and I took it I tell you we I'm going to go back to D.L. Rogers again here I go but you know Daryl's always done done a great job of taking people that um, society might say don't deserve an opportunity and giving us the ability to, to make a wonderful career of it and uh I always sit there and, and, and I don't think I can thank him enough for my opportunity. So I, I think it's our attitude. Attitude, uh, partners got to have the best attitude in the world and they got to be willing to to give up um, the rings. Okay. Well, there you guys heard it from Mr. Jim Peoples himself. I, once again, I really appreciate your time and, you know, you sharing your story with us. Uh, I, I know you're a busy man and I, I think a lot of people can learn from this. And I know, you know, when I first heard it, I'm just like, man, you know, make the, you know, it, it, you had, the, you can hear the passion, you know, in your story. And I really, really love that because I mean, when you're coming up as a young kid in Sonic, I mean, you love what you do and you think you're the greatest at all these, all these different positions. And then you hear someone else tell their story and they've lived different, you know, parts of it and different positions and grew through it. And you're just like, it can really be done. And, and to me, like, you know, going up that, I, I don't, I don't like to call it a ladder, but getting promoted, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just like rewarding. I mean, and one day I would love to be there and I think we all would. And uh, it, it's really inspiring and really cool. Well, guys, I, I just appreciate you guys listening to me. I mean, I'm an old guy and, uh, and I, when I think about it, um, I just get up and do what we do. And I, and I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm excited to be here. And the biggest thing for me is I hope that others do do want those opportunities and that that we don't squish those opportunities when they want them, that that we that we are encouraging people that, you know, every day that they can they can be so much more than what they are today. Well, Mr. Jim Peoples, um, just like Jacob said earlier, I haven't really 
I haven't really got to know you very much. Um, you know, kind of we're on different different planets of the world and Dale Rogers world. But one thing I do admire about you is I know you're up there in position in the company. And one thing that I've always admired about you is that you kind of you're kind of the goofy guy, you know. And I think um, with the position you're in, to be able to still be yourself and you know, be goofy and and have that positive energy all the time, very much like Jacob you know, it's sometimes hard to do that. And I just, I really appreciate you continuing to be yourself, you know, pretty much no matter what position you are. So that's one thing that I admire about you is your positivity and your, your attitude and you, you, you keep the fun in it. So I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you being you and, and thank you for coming on. Uh, we appreciate your time, sir. Absolutely. AJ, I tell you, I appreciate you guys. And, um, Hey, if we can't have fun doing what we're doing, we shouldn't be doing it. So, um, amen to that. You know, yes, sir. While, while I <laughs> while I have fun, guys, I do have standards, right? And so that's that's the that's the fun part about it is that we can we can get things done and still enjoy what we do. So that's right. Well, guys, that you know, those of you that are listening, we thank you for tuning into this week's podcast. Tracy, Jacob, Mr. Jim Peoples, thank you guys for coming on this week. Um, one thing we close out with every episode is please don't forget Sonic is what we do, but Dio Rogers is who we are. Hope everybody's having a great uh, rest of the month as we wrap up February going into spring. And we'll catch you guys next week. Take care.